21, which is a psalm of protection. A psalm of protection. We just started last week with Psalm 91. And uh, and as we go through our this passage, I hope that you will be able to uh, apply the truths of this passage. I hope that you'll be able to, to glean from it the protection that God has blessed you with and the times that God has saved you. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm 91. As you're turning there, I want to tell you something kind of neat and uh, unique. 91. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, last week, Miss Faye shared this with me that Russell... Uh, mentioned to her that they had a bad storm that blew through their area with lots of hail damage. And uh, she said to him in response to the, the bad storm that's coming through, she said, well, I hope that it didn't cause any damage. And Russell said, we prayed Psalm 91 over it. And he didn't know that that was our sermon series that we had just kicked off last week. But this psalm has, uh, for, for years, it has been a psalm that has provided confidence and comfort and protection to those that serve in the military, to those that are first responders, law enforcement, uh, firefighters and paramedics and others. This psalm has been something that has been read by chaplains. It has been something that has been memorized by people in times of danger and peril. And that's why God laid it upon my heart to bring out this about that psalm because again, we can sometimes take for granted the protection of God. We can sometimes uh, not even be aware of the protection that God has over us. Uh, some of you may have seen the movie Dunkirk, or you might know the story of Dunkirk uh, from the History Channel, or maybe some of your interest in World War II history. Uh, but it was about a battle around the port of Dunkirk in France. And uh, the story is told that from May 26th through June the 4th, so right around this time of year, May 26th through June 4th, 1940, the Allies had organized an evacuation of soldiers and troops that were basically trapped at that port. They were like sitting ducks. They were easy target for the Germans and for the Axis powers. And so the Allies had organized an evacuation attempt but with all their strategy and with all their planning, there was a lot of concern that they would only be able to rescue about 30,000 soldiers. Because they said, you know, to access that port, uh, if, air, if the aircrafts are coming over and they're bombing that port, uh, to be able to access the water by boat, to be able to get that many soldiers out of harm's way, it just doesn't look good. The weather probably won't cooperate. There's just a whole lot against us. And so even after the great minds of the military and all the advisors and their expertise came together to organize this evacuation, at best, they thought they would save the lives of 30,000. But if you know the rest of the story, you know that it's called the miracle of Dunkirk because they rescued over 300,000. But do you know how? You see, the movie, because it's produced by Hollywood, didn't want to go into detail about this. But I'm sorry, you can't change history. There are facts, there are recorded events, 
And thank God for documentation, because here's actually what happened. The king of England, at that time, George VI, called for a national day of prayer. Now, George VI may not sound familiar to you, but guess what? He was Queen Elizabeth's daddy. Okay, so that puts it in perspective. This was Queen Elizabeth's daddy. There's another thing of interest about him. If you saw another movie called The King's Speech, it was about this guy, because he had a stammer. He had a stutter. And it caused the people in Britain to not like him because they associated people with slow speech or a stammer or a stutter. They didn't, it didn't instill confidence in him. So remember, he got the speech therapist. Okay, so now that you know that, this guy, King George VI, calls for a national day of prayer because he says, we, we are desperate to see God's hand intervene in Dunkirk. We don't want to see that many soldiers lost and that many soldiers killed. And so he called for a national day of prayer. Now here's what's so interesting. After he called for that national day of prayer, Adolf Hitler of Germany unexplainably called a halt to the attack mission. It couldn't be explained by the journalists of that time. It couldn't even be explained by the military commanders at that time. But Adolf Hitler hit the pause button. And even though he was going to unleash a full fury of German aircraft and a, a blitzkrieg, so to speak, even though he was planning to do that, he hit the pause button and said, not yet. And then unexplainably, some would say, there was a bad storm that caused many of the aircraft that Hitler said could go ahead and start the initial phase of the mission. It caused them to be delayed because of this bad storm coming from the east, the direction that the Germans were going to fly into France. And then, if that doesn't cause you to think, wow, that's the hand of God. The sea, the water at Dunkirk, which is normally a very, uh, because of the wind, because of the direction of the port, it's normally not a stable body of water. It's choppy, it, the white caps and everything. But on that day of the miracle of Dunkirk, the waters were just as calm as could be. And so every vessel within a certain proximity was used. Fishing boats, small sailboats, every vessel that you could get on the water got on the water. And that's why over 300,000 trapped sitting ducks were rescued from what should have been the bloodiest day in World War II history. But because God's people prayed and because God's hand of protection was on Dunkirk, it's called the miracle at Dunkirk. Now the part two of this story is there was a specific group of troops that were trapped on the shore, the, the bank, the beach, so to speak. And a certain number of German aircraft was able to get through the storm, and they're now circling Dunkirk, circling Dunkirk. And they have totally, they have a great visual of these soldiers that are trapped on this beach. Do you know what the soldiers started doing when they saw in the distance the German aircraft and they knew this is the enemy? This is the German aircraft. They're going to kill us. We're sitting ducks. We're on this beach. They started praying out loud Psalm 91. A chaplain had taught them Psalm 91, and they started shouting it, and they started screaming it. And the German aircraft flew over, shooting, attacking, doing everything they can. But do you know what? There were 400. Did you hear me? Not four. Not 40. But 400 trapped on this beach with German aircraft flying over. And by the way, the Germans were known for their precision 
and for their ability to work the aircraft. But guess what? Not one. Do you hear me, somebody? Not one of the 400 trapped on the beach like a sitting duck, not one of them got a scratch. The miracle at Dunkirk. And those soldiers cried Psalm 91 as the German planes flew overhead over and over and over. And when it was all said and done, they looked at one another. Not a scratch. Not a hit. They praised God for it. Maybe Hollywood couldn't show that because it's offensive or it would have hurt somebody's feeling or it would have melted a little snowflake part. <laughs> but that is a fact. That is a true story documented that many of the veterans, who, by the way, have now uh, many of that generation is, is, is gone. And if we're not careful, we've got to preserve that history because that won't be taught in the schools and that won't be taught in the movies and that won't be taught by the media because they don't want you to know about that part. You and I have a responsibility to take those stories that that generation tells us and repeat it to our children and our grandchildren. Because those veterans of that era, many of them are gone. And what a great generation. And we can learn from them. Those guys on that beach knew, all right, we're trapped. We're on this beach. There's nowhere we can turn except to God. Not one of the 400 had a scratch. So that's the that's the rest of the story. But now that you have your Bibles open to Psalm 91, we're going to read verse. We're going to go back to verse one because that's where we started last week. If you weren't with us, it'll help familiarize you with the context. But let's stand in honor of the reading of God's word. We're going to read Psalm 91 verses one through four. The words will be up on the screen. I have chosen the King James uh, for this sermon series because of the richness of the language it's just it really uh accurately brings it out and uh, it is how the soldiers on that beach memorized this particular passage was from the king james psalm 91 he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty i will say of the lord he is my refuge and my fortress my god in him will i trust Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thy trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, today, God, help us to not take for granted your protection over us. Help us today to acknowledge your hand that has been over us and guided us and saved us from perils that sometimes we didn't even know about and other times where we sensed the danger. But you were right there. You were our rock. You were our anchor. And so, God, more of us need to be singing about the goodness of God. We need to be praising and and honoring you for your hand of protection on us, but we take it for granted. We don't really consciously think about it. Well, today, I pray that would change. Speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, be in this place and guide us and convict us that we may not leave this place the same way we walked in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The passage is 
that we just read, but specifically verses 3 and 4, talk about his deliverance. Look at verse 3. Surely he shall deliver, deliver thee. God throughout the ages has been a deliverer. He delivered the, the, Hebrew, the Hebrews out of Egypt. He delivered them out of that bondage. He rescued them. He was a deliverer. He is a deliverer. And he will always be a deliverer. He believes in saving those. If you'll just reach out your hand to him, he is there, able to rescue you and save you. He is a deliverer. He is a protector. Go back and look at that passage again where it says, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. A snare is a trap. How many of you know that the enemy loves to put a trap right in your path? How many of you know that the enemy knows how to bait the hook? He knows exactly what tempts you. You see, what tempts this person over here may not be what tempts that person over there. But the devil is so wise like a serpent that he literally knows how to bait the hook to suit the fish. He baits the hook based on what tempts you. And the snare of the fowler is that trap that gets put in our path. That trap that sometimes is there that you either are aware of or not even He'll put that trap right there. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out. That trap, though, that so easily causes us to stumble and fall. But listen to me. God is a deliverer. So when you fall in that trap, when you're caught, just call out to him. Save me. Help me. Deliver me. And he will do just that. See, it says here, he shall, he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. That's the, the fowler's the hunter. Specifically, interesting enough, it's a bird hunter. And the King James brings out that he will deliver thee from the snare, the trap of the fowler, the bird hunter. But the other attack that it mentions in that same verse is a noisome pestilence. Now, that's not an everyday vernacular. Is a noisome pestilence. I didn't know if that was... What happens when you're sitting at a red light and somebody beside you, boom, 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 boom. You look over and think, that's a noisome pestilence. Can I get a witness? But no, actually, what that means, listen to this, noisome means a stench, a disgusting, revolting, offensive stench, a nasty smell, a nasty, and then it uses the word pestilence. Did you catch that? A noisome pestilence, a nasty, offensive stench, and a pestilence. What is a pestilence? An epidemic, a pandemic. Sound familiar? I mean, just when you thought, okay, we're, we're, we're putting COVID behind us. We can take off the mask. Some of you never wore it anyway. <laughs> we don't have to social distance. Just when you think you, you, you're beyond it, now you hear about another surge of it. Oh, and if that's not enough, now we've got... <laughs> We got the monkeypox. I thought it was a dance. I didn't know. Every time I thought the, the monkeypox, I said the monkeypox. How do you do? How do you do that? I don't know. The monkeypox. Are you kidding me? Did any of you see the movie Outbreak? Do we not learn? Don't keep pet monkeys. Amen. Some of you seen that movie. But monkeypox. I mean, there's somebody behind the scenes. 
engineering this stuff and manipulating people and causing there to be fear, causing there to be panic. I'm not saying don't be safe. I'm not saying don't be careful. I'm just saying at some point you can either choose to live in fear or you can choose to live by faith. God is our protection. He's our deliverer. And look at what he will deliver you from. Not only the snare, the trap that the enemy puts in your path to cause you to be tempted, but also something that attacks your health. See, there's a difference. There's the snare of the fowler. That's a, that's a temptation or a trap. And then there's the noisome pestilence. That's something that comes after your health. God will protect you. He says here, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. God is a deliverer. Verse 4, he shall cover thee with his feathers. I like the metaphor that's brought out here. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. As I was studying this, it brought out to me the reminder that a a mama hen, when she senses a predator hawk, do you know what she does? Watch this. This is unbelievable. Woo! This will get a Baptist preacher Pentecostal. Hello? <laughs> so the mama hen, the mama hen, when she senses a predator hawk or any type of predator, you know what she does? Watch this. She sits down and she opens her wings. And it's up to those babies to get to her and get under the wings. Because you know why? If mama hen panics, oh, COVID, oh, monkey pox, monkey pox. She's leaving certain chicks behind. She's trying to race over here to get this little chick, and you know, that little chick's stubborn anyway. Just let that chick go. He never minded anyway. But she, she's trying to, she's going over here, and what is she doing? She's leaving those exposed. So the mama hen knows, I'll sit here. You come to me and get under the shelter of my wings. Woo! Son, if that don't make you praise the Lord, something's wrong with you. You need to get under the shelter of his wings. He doesn't force himself on you. He doesn't push himself on you. But if you choose him, if you choose to get under the shelter of his wings, he protects you and he helps you in those times. That mama hen knows. I'm not going to chase down every chick. I'm not going to chase down every baby. They're going to come and get under my shelter of my wings. What a beautiful picture. And under the shelter of the wings, they're protected. Under the shelter of the wings, they're safe. Under the shelter of the wings, they're safe. Isn't that something? How often we take for granted the protection of God. How often we take for granted the safety of his shelter. How often we take for granted. So I'm going to ask you, have you chosen Jesus? In your journey of life, has there ever been a time where you've said, I can't save myself. I can't fix what's wrong with me. I, I can't take what's broken and put it back together. Have you, has there ever been a time in your life where you recognize 
that this struggle that we all have in common for all of sin that falls short of the glory of God, has there ever been a time where you've gone, well, if all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and then you know the rest of that says, for the wages of sin is death, in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Has there ever been a time where you said, I need Jesus to pay my wages because I can't afford it? Have you chosen to be under the shelter of his wings? There's been times, undoubtedly, he's reached down to you and he's tried to get your attention. There's been times, undoubtedly, where he's whispered, where he's, he's nudged. He's done different things in your life to say, here I am, please receive me. Undoubtedly, he's done that in your life. But I, I don't know how you've responded to that. I don't know if you've ignored it. I don't know if you've called it a coincidence. I don't know what, how you've justified it or, or used logic and reasoning to talk your way out of it. But I know by virtue of you being here older than a day old, I know that God has tried to get your attention. And if that's the case, then the only thing you need to decide is, have you already responded to that? Have you already said, God, I get it. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you, God. I receive I receive Jesus as my Savior. Because if you haven't done that part, then here's what I need you to know. He has tried to nudge you. He has tried to whisper. He has tried to draw your attention. He's given you warning signs. He's tried to, to, to warn you about the perils of life. If you continue to ignore it, don't get it twisted. If you continue to ignore it, then at some point, at some point, your heart will be hardened. I don't know when that day is. It may have already happened for some reason. Because let me just ask you this. Put yourself back in high school. A dance is right around the corner. And you want to ask, oh, Sue Ellen. I mean, Sue Ellen is, she's all that, right? And, and you've been wanting to ask her to a dance. And so one day you say, hey, Sue Ellen. My name's J.R. <laughs> tell what I've been watching. <laughs> uh, I'd like to ask you out on a date. And Sue Ellen says, huh, you think I'd go on a date with me? And she gets all sassy. All right? But you, you're, you're, hey, hey, look, you're persistent, man. You, you really like Sue Ellen. There's something about old Sue Ellen. So you go back to her after a week because you think, you know, she's had time to think about it. And I've heard she ain't got no date for that date. So maybe I'll try a steak dance. And you go back to Sue Ellen. This time you bring a gift because you're thinking, now I'm going to get her attention. So you got a big old box of chocolate. And you hand it to Sue Ellen. I don't even like chocolate. You know, she's weird. Uh, and so, <laughs> <laughs> I like a fruit plate. Anyway, so, <laughs> so you're like, you know, you're heartbroken, you know, because she won't take, she won't accept this. So you walk away and you kind of feel sorry for yourself. But listen, the dance is still approaching, and you've heard Sue Ellen still don't have a date. So this time you go with flowers. And you go with, I mean, you put your best smelling aftershave. You know, every little boy will wear a brute. You put that brute on. <laughs> you smelling nasty, but you thought it was good. <laughs> and you walk up to her with those flowers and that uh, too strong of aftershave like you bathed in it, and you say, Sue Ellen, would you please go to the dance? Sue Ellen looks 
the sunflowers and said, I, I'm a gardener. And then she says, hey, you too. <laughs> and she walks away. Now let me just ask you something. How many more times is Jr. going to ask her dad to slow down? How many times is God going to extend his mercy and his grace when all the time he's been trying to get your attention, he's been asking you, come unto me, trust in me, believe in me, accept Jesus. All over your life, there's been different times he's tried, he's tried, he's tried. How many more times is he going to do it where he finally decides, I'll just ask somebody else. Don't take God's mercy granted. Don't take God's hand of protection for granted. Don't take God for granted. He says in the latter part of verse 4, His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Shield. I want you to think about a shield. It's a defensive mechanism, a defensive weapon. But what is it a shield from? It's a shield from the lies of the enemy. It's a shield from the attacks of the enemy. You know how the devil attacks most of us? It's with lies. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be drug-free. You'll never find someone to love you. You'll never be good enough. You'll never get that promotion. And some of you have listened to so many lies of the devil that you don't even know what the truth is. So when it says there in verse 4, His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. A shield blocks out the lies. And a buckle, we wear a buckle to fasten things together. A buckler in this, in this perspective is something that holds it all together. A shield and a buckler. A shield from the lies of the enemy and all the things that he tells you you'll never measure up. You'll never be good enough. You'll never go to heaven. And a buckler, something that holds all together. God is the truth. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Why are you listening to the lies of the enemy? You might have heard about the guy that went to his dentist to get a filling put in his back tooth. And he got home. And he called the dentist office. And he said, I need to talk to the dentist. And they said, well, sir, he's with a patient. What's the problem? He said, well, I was there this morning, and I got a filling in one of my molars. Yes, sir. And he said, I live out here by that radio station. <laughs> and that tower is interfering with that filling. And every time I open my mouth, I can hear the radio playing. The receptionist says, sir, that is impossible. That is not how this works. I have never heard of that happening before. It does not cause any interference with a radio tower. He said, no, man, you don't understand. I live real close to that radio antenna, real close. She said, sir, it does not matter. I'm telling you, you're wrong. The feeling that he put in your molar has nothing to do with that radio tower. There is no interference. He said, I can hear it right now. Every time I open my mouth, I hear the radio. He said, sir, that's impossible. He said, well, now look here. If you're not going to help me, could you please get the dentist to change the radio station because I hate country music. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you have been listening for too long to the lies of the enemy, and you need to change the station. Some of you have accepted the lies of the enemy as your reality. 
turn off the lies of the enemy and listen to the truth that God reveals. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, today, God, I ask that you speak to our hearts that even now as the enemy tries to distract